0: Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Yeah, looks great. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. I ask everyone, what does it mean to be Vietnamese? Um,
1: I think it's, you know, recognizing, you know, where your family came from, uh, respecting your elders, understanding your culture, uh, understanding your traditions, and importantly, recognizing the fact that, uh, especially as a son of Vietnamese immigrants, um, that we have opportunities here that a lot of other people can arm you know, over in Vietnam don't. And so uh, to take advantage of that and to also always remember to kind of give back to the community and do what we can to be a good person and make a difference.
0: What inspired you to become a lawyer?
1: You know, as as a kid growing up, I heard the refrain of, you know, go into medicine or go into law or go into engineering. Um, again, my, my parents came over from Vietnam with nothing and they wanted to make sure that I had opportunities that they didn't. And one of those things was to kind of try to get me to start thinking about fields that, um, you know, they believed were were stable job fields and also things that are interesting right and um, as a kid my mom was a secretary or assistant at a law firm a small law firm here in houston and you know visiting her at work getting to meet some of the lawyers um i thought they were you know cool people and i thought they were um you know they looked like they enjoyed what they were doing and obviously i'm a kid so i don't really You know, I'll probably think that about any field if I visit people at work. But over time, uh, my high school had career day where, you know, they would send you off to to different fields to try to shadow people and get a feel for what they're about. And it kind of just always stuck with me that I was either going to go into law or medicine. So when I actually went to University of Texas at Austin for undergrad, um, I started off as biochemistry. And I just didn't have that passion for those classes, and so what I did was I switched to economics, and being able to kind of take different classes and you know, uh, you know, whether it be government or political science, those type of things, it started gearing me up for doing essentially a path towards law school, so that's kind of the you know, shorthand version of how I got to law school. But, you know, it's something that's been building up over the years. I'd always had that interest for either medicine or law. And I think when I got to college, it was it really crystallized that law was the direction that I wanted to go.
0: Hmm. What kind of law do you practice today? So I'm a
1: litigator. So I practice in the field of civil litigation. And that involves a lot of different things. Um, for me personally, my docket has... Cases ranging from, you know, serious injury and death cases, maritime and admiralty, product liability, um, commercial litigation. Um, There's really a wide array of cases. Um, And those are cases that uh, need to be litigated, which is basically, you know, you're you're not just doing paperwork, but, you know, you have hearings in the courtroom, you have depositions, you have workup and preparing for trial. Um, you have appeals and so it's a a field that keeps me going every day i really love what i do and um, i think it's a i think it's the right fit for me
0: yeah um i hear this all the time uh we we as as parents and or i'm a parent um and the the previous generations you know we we talk highly of 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 doctors and lawyers, and we, we love having that in our community. But how important is it um, to have Vietnamese lawyers in the US? I think it's very important. I
1: think it's important for minorities to have representation in every job field. Um, I think diversity is extremely important. I'm fortunate to live in Houston, where Houston's a real true melting pot. You know, we have an African American mayor. Um, we have minority judges, Asian-American, African-American judges on the bench. Um, we have people, of all races, uh, representing us in government at various levels and in different fields. And I think that it's always important for diversity to, to be present. Um, and I think that's no different in the field of law. Uh, in the field of law, you have people that are representing other people and other businesses. Um, so it, it's important that we exist in this space where we can, you know, represent either other fellow Asian people. Um, you know, as you know, there are a lot of people over here that either have a language barrier or, you know, other circumstances that, you know, keep them in a bubble. And so you have you know people that don't know who to reach out to, and the first people they think of are people that are the same nationality as them. Um, and it's it may be comforting to, um, let's say an older Vietnamese family that that needs help to know that there are Vietnamese lawyers out there. I mean, that's just one example, but um, it, it goes a lot deeper than that. Um, I think that we have to continue to permeate the industry because Asian American representation in our field is extremely low. And you know, lawyers do so much lawyers represent people and businesses on a day to day basis, but they also become judges. They also become your representatives and your senators in government. And if you have, a low number of Asian-Americans in the field, Consequentially, you have a low number of Asian-Americans in government and on the bench. Um, and you can see that if you, if you just look across the country, how many Asian-American senators are there? How many Asian-Americans representatives are there? How many Asian-American um, court of appeal justices or you know federal judges are there, right? There's not a lot and these are people that shape policy these are people that uh, shape you know statutes and laws and from the lawyer perspective being in our field what i do litigation wise you're basically litigating cases based on what the laws are and what the courts are deciding and there are some laws that are black and white in terms of exactly what they say. And some have, you know, reasonable interpretations of it. And so you have a situation where in court, you know, you have a chance to, to affect case law, right? In terms of how courts are viewing things, how you advocate on behalf of your client. It may be only confined to that case in a lot of instances, but in some instances, it may be viewed by other courts as something that they need to look at, right? So like when we're in court, we're arguing cases and and hearings. Um, You're referring to what other courts have decided, right? You you know, you say, you know, judge, you know, well, the Fifth Circuit ruled on this similar issue in 2018 in this case. Or, you know, the Court of Appeals said this or the Texas Supreme Court said this. Well, you know, obviously the, the courts are, Reviewing those decisions and and issuing holdings, but who's arguing those cases, right? There are people yeah. are in those cases arguing the facts and arguing their their best interpretation of the facts and the law in those cases and, and the application to, to their own specific circumstances and How well they do may affect how other courts You know decide and so It's very important for us to have people that of of all minorities um, in the legal field because I I think that we bring so many different perspectives and
0: um, I think it's something that's necessary. When I think of a litigator, I think of somebody who needs to be visually tip-top somebody who needs to be presentable um my eyes and my optics as somebody in the courtroom uh will shape my opinion about the case i think right i'm i'm just thinking out loud as a civilian somebody who's on right. the outside is there a uh, is there a benefit or is does it work against you like if i'm vietnamese then i roll up into the court Room with a Vietnamese attorney or litigator representing me. Do you think sometimes that it's um it's a powerful signal that I have somebody who's bright, somebody who's very capable of doing their job and they're representing me? Or do you think from a white American perspective, it's like, oh, okay, you know, these are two Asian guys, I mean, you know, or two black guys, or, you know, the 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 is it skewed is the yeah, I, I, I,
1: so the second part of your, your, your question, I'll tackle that first because I think it really relates to what we just talked about, which is representation. And I think it's important to have more Asian-Americans in the litigation field because right now, like you said, there's not a lot of, well, you know, well, I'll just say there's not, again, there's not a lot of Asian-American litigators. And so, you know, The more that we get people into the field, the more we'll be taken seriously. And it is something where I think, you know, appearance is important to some extent, but that's only a small part. Hmm. I think that a lot of it is how you practice and the reputation you create yourself for yourself. The legal community is pretty small. It's large, but it's small. I, mean, I think you probably get what I mean by that. Yeah, you know how you practice and and your skill level and your grasp of the you know the subject matter is so important. And once you start your career and once you start practicing as a lawyer, um, how you practice and the results you get and the job you do for your clients will speak for itself. So if you go into the courtroom and you have an Asian American litigator or um you know, a white litigator or you know Hispanic litigator, whatever. I don't think that really matters as much um, more so than the reputation that that specific lawyer has in that legal community, right? Because if a firm uh, draws you on a case where you're on the other side and you're representing someone that they're adverse to in a case, um, they're more so I think concerned about what's this guy about, you know hasn't been doing this for a while. You know, what are his results? Is he aggressive? Is he not aggressive? Is he going to push the case or is he just going to sit on it and not do much? What is this guy about? Um, And I think maybe part of it also is like, you know, you, if you have some, you know, older partner from some international law firm walk in the courtroom, is there some clout there? Yeah, of course. But You know, the lawyers in Houston, um, no matter what firm you're at and what law you do, I mean, a lot of lawyers here can go toe to toe with anybody. So it doesn't matter what firm, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter, you know, necessarily, you know, what your client book looks like. Once you get in the courtroom, um, anything can happen, right? And so, you know, you have younger attorneys and, and less seasoned attorneys prevail over older lawyers all the time in court in court hearings, right? Um, it just—I I think it's—it's it's a mix of a lot of factors. Um, I think it, it's just important to really, regarding who you're choosing to represent you, it's important to choose someone that one you you know, that you can kind of talk to, communication is so important, right? Are you guys on the same page? You know, does your attorney who's advocating for you, does he understand what you want and what your goals are in the case? Is he listening? Second, does he actually have knowledge in the subject area that you're you're looking to have him, him or her represent you for, right? Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people that, you know, you know, there there are people sometimes that take cases that they don't necessarily have the experience or, um, you know, or the bandwidth to handle. Yeah. Um, and and that's fine if you're going to bring other people on board as well. You know, you, you have a lot of firms that do that, right? Sometimes, let's say, you know, you're an attorney that represents someone in, in one matter and they want to, you'd help them in some other matter. And you say, you know what, a little bit out of what I do regularly, but you bring someone else on board, Right. Um, I mean, that's different, but I I think it's important for you to ask you being, if you're uh, someone looking for an attorney, to to ask them what their experience and what their practice areas are on a regular basis. I think it's important because when that attorney is showing up for you in court, I
0: mean, you want him
1: him or her to know what they're doing.
0: Well, well, here's the problem, right? So I hire an attorney and attorneys are very smart people. Typically, they're very presentable. And I talk to, let's say, five lawyers. And how do I know I'm getting a quality lawyer, A? And how do I know once I think that I have a quality lawyer, that that lawyer is going to perform the way I want to? And because by the time I get to the courtroom, it's, isn't it a little late? Because I've made this assessment. How do yeah. I know I'm getting what I want? Well, I mean, kind of one thing is just look at how, look at how they market themselves. That, that would be one thing, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So go to their website, see what their results are. You know, you have firms that will list their results. I mean, my firm lists our results, not all of them, but we list a good amount of results on our page. So you can kind of see that we're, we're doing things in different areas, right? That we're not just taking cases, sitting on them and settling them right away. Right, we actually have things to to talk about, whether it be, you know, cases in different fields, or cases that are are getting recognition, or you know, cases that are going to trial, or cases that are being appealed and and coming down one way or the other. So I think it's important when you're doing your research is to to see you know what those results are. Like if you're looking, for example, for a family lawyer, it, I, I think it's a little bit more. Um, I think it's a little bit more simple in terms of what you're looking for again, marketing and, and, and the firm's reputation is important. Um, you know, obviously going through the lawyer's page and seeing that they're, they're actually active and they're actually handling certain things. Um, but let's say you have a very narrow issue, right? Let's say you're a, you know, offshore worker that gets hurt in an oil rig, um, You know, at sea. And so if you're hiring a lawyer to do that to represent you for some injury claim, it would be good for you to know whether or not your lawyer has actually handled that type of issue before. Right. Now that doesn't mean that they're not capable of handling that. So again, I mean, everyone has to start somewhere, right? But you know, your lawsuit is your one chance. Yeah. At something. That's your one chance. You know, let's say you think you got Wrongfully terminator, let's say you you got, you know, someone you know gotten in a, a terrible accident or a tragic accident, or you have some, you know, contract that got breached and you know, there's a there's substantial damages. That's your one chance to remedy a wrong. Or, you know, to defend yourself against a wrong if you're if you're on the adverse side. So you want someone that's handled that issue before not just handle it, like handle one case, but has experience and can talk knowledgeably about all those issues. You know, um, we hear things like bet the company litigation where, you know, like a company's future hangs in the balance, you know, you you have firms, you know, deal with big contracts and and things like that. But I mean, everything should be a bet the individual, bet the company, yeah. litigation, right? Because like, let's say someone gets a, you know, um, horrific you know work accident and and some loved one gets electrocuted and you know there's amputation or paralysis or or some other some other serious you know condition that results from a, let's say a construction site accident or a refinery accident well that's that person's future right yeah that's how they're gonna care for themselves in the future they can get enough money for medical bills or they can get enough money to kind of get them in some sort of similar position that they were beforehand? I mean, that's not the time to, to hire someone that, you know, your friend just knows. Or that's not the time to hire someone that, you know, it has an office down the street from you and is convenient. You know, again, that doesn't mean that those people can't handle it. But sit down with them and, and have consultations. A lot of lawyers offer free consultations. Um, and some offer them at a small, you know, fee. Sit down with several lawyers. I, I always encourage people, like, you gotta hear what's out there. Yeah. You can't just, you know, you don't just, you know, like your your buddy tells you something or you happen to drive by the office earlier in the day and you say, you know what, I, it's close to me, I'm just gonna go in. Right? Do your research, talk to them. Ask them what experience they have in that field, and also do your research. Go online, look at their website, look at the results. You know, word of mouth, reviews, all sorts of things. Right. So, I think it's important when you're choosing a lawyer to to do what you can. You're right. There are some things that you may not find out. I mean, there are some things that there are lawyers that may either you know exaggerate their experience, or on the other hand, there may be some Uh, incredibly accomplished lawyer that decides not to post any of his results. But, you know, at least if you put the effort in on your end to do that research, then you've done the best that you can. Right. And so it it, is something that I think a lot of people need to do more. Um, And, you know, it's the same thing. If I was to look for a lawyer, you know, and it's different because I'm in the field, right? So I have already idea of who handles what. So, If you ask me, for example, like I don't, like I don't do labor and employment. If you ask me for a labor and employment lawyer in Houston, I can name you several uh, good ones, uh, very accomplished and very skilled lawyers. Um, that you know you should consult with, right, and sit down with. And but you know, if I wasn't in the legal field, how else would I find that out? I mean, I would have to ask around. I have to do research. That I wouldn't just hire someone right, you know, that I don't know anything about unless I've sat down with them and I've heard them tell me kind of all those things that will answer some of my questions.
0: Yeah. You um, had probably different paths in terms of, you know, starting your own firm, working for a big firm, going into government. What, as a lawyer, uh, what are the things that kind of affect that decision or personally for you how has you know the path that you chose uh, arrived for you well
1: so right now i'm a partner at a firm here in houston and before that i worked at two previous firms i've worked at you know what people would consider boutique to medium sized firms and i've worked for a large firm so you know they're all different in certain ways, right? You have, um, you know, the medium, medium-sized to larger firms have a lot of other, you know, a lot of people at the top making certain decisions, um, and, and there are a lot of more complexities on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I think at a boutique to medium-sized firm, you have, um, and again, this is just my experience, but I think you have more, you know, office camaraderie. You have more. Uh, um, you know, you're, you're, you're closer with your coworkers, you, you, you're, you're not separated by like, you know, three different floors, you know, you're, you're all in the same office. You're all kind of seeing each other on a day-to-day basis. And I think that, that does a lot, you know, to kind of in, in the team working atmosphere, if you will, you know, every lawyer has their own clients, but there are, you know, there are cases where more than one lawyer is working on, cases where multiple staff members are helping out on and so to kind of have everyone all near each other i think is a a it's very helpful um but also in terms of you know choosing on what cases to take what clients to take what not to do running conflicts um these are all things that are um, things that firms of all types have to deal with but kind of going back to your you know, part of your original question is I've you know, I, I've been practicing since two thousand twelve. So coming out of law school, I practiced on plaintiff side litigation, which are plaintiffs in short, are the people that bring lawsuits for a variety of different harms and damages. Uh, again, whether that be, you know, in the injury space or whether it's a you know business court or some, you know, Business deal gone wrong, whatever else. Um, that's plant-sized litigation. And it encompasses a lot more things. However, um, I worked doing plant-sized litigation for a number of years. Uh, you know, working up cases, litigating them, uh, being part of several trial teams, uh, working on appeals, um, and then I briefly switched to defense-side litigation um, even from the company's perspective. You know, these are, are companies that are. Are being sued by a number of different, you know, plaintiffs, and the perspective on that side is invaluable. Just to kind of see it from both sides is it you see it through a different prism, and uh, it's I've gone back to plaintiff side, and, and that perspective has been incredibly uh, valuable.
0: Was that a, a a conscious decision to work both sides like that in your career to get? Sort of you perspective know, on both sides. I don't think it was always
1: something that I wanted, but I knew that it could happen. Um, I think that diverse experience really help you develop as a lawyer, seeing different things. Just like I talked earlier in terms of litigation, I do a lot of different types of cases, and um, just kind of continually adding to that knowledge and adding to that. You know that knowledge base if you will um is important to allow me to, to represent my clients and you know currently it it is something that is incorporated into you know how i practice i mean i i've always been i know i say always i i grew up a shy kid that you know was very nerdy and um you know, soft-spoken and I didn't break out of that shell until college. And I truly didn't break out of the shell completely until law school when I joined mock trial. But you're, you're in a situation where, um, you know, you're, you're, I've been an aggressive litigator most of my career and, you know, to be able to kind of problem solve and, and expect what the other side's going to do. I've always been able to do that. But also having been on the other side now, um, I know certain ways to to view cases and to evaluate exposure for the other side. And, and it's just something that's incorporated into what I do.
0: You um, have mentioned uh mentoring and giving back to the community earlier um i've read that um you are really into um you know mentorship giving back to the community when i think about those things it's not inherent in the vietnamese culture and i don't know where it comes from but i'm gonna, just gonna go out on a limb and say um we have this thing called yonge, which is hiding the trade hiding the 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 secrets, the trade secrets. We, as a culture, we don't really believe that the master should give the student everything, but it's different in American culture. And I'm starting to explore this whole idea with Vietnamese professionals that this gut idea of giving back, whether it's in the entertainment business, being a mentor to artists that are starting out, it's a big thing. And now I'm hearing from you as a lawyer, mentoring and giving back is a big thing. What why do you think that giving back um, and not giving away your or, or giving away everything, you know, is important for for you and for the work that you do?
1: Well, you know, I do think mentorship is incredibly important. Um, and I think about that for a lot of reasons is that I've had great mentors that have been a great sounding board for me over the years. Um, and it's helped me in my career and it's my way of paying it forward. And doing what I can to give back. I like seeing other people succeed. I want our people to succeed. I want Vietnamese Americans to succeed at every level. Um, I think we are hardworking, we are intelligent, we're industrious. We just knowing how many people came over here after the Vietnam War with nothing and how they managed to you know put their head down work hard and provide living for their families is is incredible especially when you think of the language barrier to think if you think about the lack of resources and it's not just lack of resources in terms of money it's in terms of people yeah you come over here i mean they're Vietnamese all over the US, right? But at the time they were coming here, it's not like right now you can just call someone up on the phone and ask for their advice or a job lead or something. You're coming over here, you're selling down. And I'm so, I admire so much the older Vietnamese generation for coming over here, working hard, and doing whatever it took for the younger generation to. To try to succeed um and that's something that i don't think we can ever pay back ever and um that's not lost on me you know and so it's one of those things where you know our ancestors didn't come over here you know just for us to succeed just for us it's for future generations to succeed as well. And so I think it's important to always share that knowledge, mentor whoever I can and, you know, do what I can to to give at least a small piece back. You know, um, yeah. I, I know I'm just one person, but if I can do my part, it may be small, but, you know, it may encourage other people to do it. Um, and it's kind of a cascading effect, right? If I mentor one or two people or five people, you know, hopefully they end up, you know, paying it forward down the line as well. So it's one of those things where I think that for me, it's never been about I'm going to get somewhere and then just not help anyone else. That's not how I was raised. I'm very close to my family. I'm very close to my parents. Um, you know, I owe them everything. I wouldn't be where I am without them. Um, and it's something where, you know, it. it I, I don't view it as an obligation. I view it more as recognizing, you know, how blessed I've been and how fortunate I've been in terms of having such you know, amazing people come before me. And I think it's just something that we should do. Right. Have you been to Vietnam? I have not. Um, I'm going to try to go later this year. Um, I've not visited. Um, I've been talking with my cousins about taking a trip back there or to there later this year. Because you were born here, Um, right? I was born here in Houston. And um we we talk you know to our family over in Vietnam um semi-regularly, whether it be through Facebook Messenger or text or you know, we send packages, we send clothes and we send everything back as well. Um, you know, there there's certain you know health circumstances for my parents wise in terms of, you know, I've been wanting to take them back and it's, it's been a little difficult in the past few years, but it's been something that's been a long time coming. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it is something that is something, is something that I am going to do. And I think I'm going to do it later this year, probably in the winter and if not, the beginning of next year.
0: What do you expect when you get there? What do you expect to see? What do you expect to feel? Um... You know,
1: it's so crazy because I've heard it's changed so much. Um, it Well, I've heard it's changed so much yet still remain the same in a lot of ways. And so I'm just excited to, to see the country, uh, knowing that a lot of things have changed. But also to see, you know, my family friends over there. Um, you know how it is in, in Asian culture. I mean, if you're your parents or your grandparents grew up with certain people, even if they're not blood related, they're pretty much your cousins or family, close family friend, right. For life. So everyone's kids or your cousins, or I don't even know what the terminology would be to call them, but I'm excited to see everyone over there. And, um, you know, I, I don't really know what to expect, but I think it would be great just catching up. I mean, family is really important to me and Most of our families over here in the United States, you know, we have family. My aunt uncle are in Canada, cousins in Canada, cousins in throughout Texas, California. But, you know, we have close family friends in Vietnam and there are people that, you know, similar, like their kids know of me because... Their parents are telling them, like, you know, I I grew up with uh Chukuo and Gokim, you know, and you know, my parents are telling me, like, hey, you know, that's uh Gohan's you know, daughter or Gohan's son or whatever else. And like, so it, it's we we know each other in that kind of in in that kind of way, but it's it'll be really cool to kind of all catch up in person and
0: yeah, it's interesting that I asked you about your sort of expectations and really what you just 100 percent of your answer has everything to do with people it's not like oh the countryside or oh the buildings or oh i can't wait to see you know something physical it's really the way you answered it is very um telling about um what you expect you expect to to be a part of the people and i i really like that uh answer it shows a it shows me that um, this is what's on your mind. It's the people that uh, that you can't wait to see. Um, I have a question about developing countries, whether it's Vietnam or any other country. Right. The legal, um, the legal infrastructure of a developing country that becomes, you know, a Taiwan or a Singapore in the next twenty years. What kind of legal subcategories are sort of like that? T- there's does these legal subcategories take precedence over another sort of like criminal law is at the top, and then marital, and then corporate? Like, how does this all work out when we're thinking about a developing country?
1: Right. You know that's that's a great question. Um, I think that I think the criminal justice system for, for a developing country would be be essential to have a functioning you know well-run criminal justice system and the reason i say that is you know let, let me just kind of break it down from at least my perspective is that i believe that you have to have a criminal justice system in place that you know that is fair equitable and it's something that the citizens have faith in and trust in especially for a developing country you have individuals, I imagine, that are are going to want a clear understanding of what's right and wrong and, you know, whether and also have consequences and punishments that are proportional to the crime, right? I don't think there's, you know, what you have is you have some countries that have widely different Ways that they approach criminal law. And I think establishing a criminal justice system that the people have faith in is so important. And so you have to have good criminal defense attorneys that know the law and, you know, can protect the people in terms of if the government overreaches or if, you know, there's some you know, absurd, you know, uh, interpretation of some law that, that someone's, you know, gone astray of or, or whatever else. I mean, you have to have good criminal defense attorneys that can protect the, the interests of the people. And in that same, in that same vein, you have to have prosecutors that are, are following the law that are not coloring outside the lines that are also trying to do what they can to keep society intact, right? There's in a need for both sides. I have never been the type of attorney, even in the civil field. I've never been the type of attorney that just says, you know what? All defense attorneys are 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 you know the analogy that a lot of people use are good, evil, <laughs> dark, light, and yeah. it, 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 it's. It's not like a serious analogy, but people always think that the side that they're on is the only side that is the just side. But I view it as there's a need for good people on both sides. Because there are gonna be times where, you know, companies are accused of wrongs that they didn't do. Right. There's times that people are accused of things that they didn't do. There are times that you know, people are prosecuting crimes that did occur and that need to be prosecuted. And there are people that are bringing claims that where a substantial injury did occur or that, you know, something was breached and people need to be held accountable. So you have all those situations where you need good people on both sides to represent those interests. And in a society that's developing, you have to have a system in place that where there's confidence you know what what is supposed to happen is happening like people that are hurting society and hurting other people absolutely they need to be punished for it. Now what is that punishment? I don't know, but you know you have to have people that are willing to put those people away. but then you have people that are either not a, that didn't do it or um, you know where the the punishment is far greater than the crime. so you have to have people advocating on their behalf. Um, that are skilled to be able to to navigate through those issues. So I think, and again, I hope, hopefully I answered your question, but I think, you know, criminal law is so important to developing country knowing
0: that it's still a problem in developed countries. Yeah. I was just going to say that
1: Even Yeah, here in the
0: U S we have yeah. a massive problem with this. Yeah. We here in the U S 10 years ago, Actually, uh,
1: it's still happening. People are still being incarcerated for for marijuana yeah. possession, right? And it is something that I mean, you now have companies that are IPOing on it. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you have uh, corporations that are are making money off it, whereas there are people that are still, still in jail. Still in
0: jail. Yeah, it's the irony of it.
1: Yeah. So, and so you have. Inequities in criminal justice systems everywhere, not just here, but in other countries. I mean, we hear about it. I try to keep up with the news around the world. Um, and I know there's things I'm not gonna catch, but I try to at least have like a knowledge base of what's going on in the world. And I know that a lot of countries are, you know, they have antiquated laws, they have antiquated viewpoints on on what is, you know. Right and wrong, and you know, and that's probably a whole nother discussion for a later time. But you know, I think that you know, there has to be balance. You know, obviously, it can't be something where it's the Wild West where people can get away with whatever they want because you don't want that. You have to have you know, prosecutors in place, government in place, police that can kind of keep a hold in that situation. But you gotta have people on the other side that are willing to check those people if they go out of bounds. So I think that interplay is extremely important. You know, there, there are good cops and there are bad cops. There are good prosecutors, there are bad prosecutors. There's good defense attorneys, there's bad defense attorneys. There are good people that were accused of a crime that didn't do it, and there are bad people that were accused of a crime that did do it, right? So knowing all those things, you have to have a system that where where more times than not that people are getting it right, and not just more times than not but as much as off as much as possible people are getting it right yeah
0: that uh brings me to um the work that you're about to get into um this is actually why I wanted to have you on today is you're starting a podcast with um Michelle Fan, right?
1: Yes. Uh my sh- my friend Michelle, she's a corporate attorney in Seattle. We grew up together in Houston. Um, she's very accomplished, very sharp. Um, and uh it is a project that we've been talking about for a while, and uh, we're very excited about it. Um it's a podcast called Asians in Law, and it's something where we're gonna have a dialogue with Asian American law professionals and that that can mean people that are practicing attorneys that can mean judges that can mean people that have taken their law degree and are no longer practicing law but are applying it in some different field whether it be business um, or something else and so the purpose is really to to well the purpose is multi-fold which is one to highlight asian american legal professionals that are are doing big things all across the country you know we're not limited here to just texas or seattle it's we're, we're going to talk to people all across but also um you know using that platform discuss important issues such as you know mentorship um deciding what field of law is the right fit um once you're in the law how to develop your career, um, how to practice in the courtroom. Um, there's so many different topics that we're gonna touch on. And it's part of, again, like we've talked about, it's part of trying to not only amplify Asian American voices, but also to help answer questions or, like we call it, you know, demystifying the process for people that may be interested in the law. Like if you're a a high school graduate that's going into law or going into college and deciding what you want to do, um, you know, some of these episodes can answer some of those questions. Or if you're a college student that's kind of on the fence, same thing. Or if you're a first year law student that doesn't know which field of law you want to go into, hopefully there's a nugget or two in there that can provide some use to you. But at the end of the day it's something that is a passion project for us that you know we've recorded episodes already with some i mean just very good people and when i say good people i mean just at the core people that are going to take their time out and and try to impart some knowledge to the listeners and also these are people that are very accomplished and are at very high levels in their company or sitting on the bench so we're excited you know um and hopefully they'll they'll officially roll out next month
0: I have uh partners um that a few partners that are big fans of Michelle um can you tell me a little bit about her you know growing up with her in Houston
1: yeah so um you know same thing she's Um, her parents are immigrants, um, her family actually, um, you know, we're, again, we're family friends growing up, you know, we're also friends ourselves and, um, we've taken different paths. You know, I stayed in Texas for undergrad and for law school. I went to UT and then I went back to Houston. Um, she's gone around, obviously right now she's practicing in Seattle. And so she represents a lot of individuals and companies. Um, and in a wide array of matters, she does a lot of intellectual property uh, and, she, and she does general litigation as well. So um, actually, we've, you know, we've had the opportunity to actually work on cases together as well. Uh, I don't practice intellectual property. I do practice business law. There is some intersection between those two things. If you represent companies that are eventually going to have, you know, intellectual property disputes and so um, that's something where we've had the opportunity to work together on some cases but going back to what she does I mean she represents her clients very well and um, it's something where she has a broad client base that trusts her for a lot of matters and um, she's in the courtroom in and out Um, so something that You know, in terms of accolades,
0: it's just going to keep coming for her. She's gotten a lot already, and it's not going to stop. Why is it important to do something like this right now? Um, I think for a lot of reasons. Um,
1: You know, I'm a big believer on if you want something to happen, you got to get off the ground. You got to take that first step. You know, if you keep pushing it off, saying, "I'll do it next year," "I'll do it next year," it's never going to start just like with your podcast, like it took you getting up one day and saying, you know what? I'm going to record my first episode. I'm going to write the questions or I'm going to, you know, have the game plan on what I'm going to do. Right. So again, it's something where we, Michelle and I both feel like there needs to be more Asian voices. Yes. In this industry. But also, you know, we want to touch as many people as we can in terms of, you know, if there are people that are going to be listening to us, we we'll, you know, we hope that they'll take something away from it. Whether they're listening to it for fun or whether some family member or friend of theirs can take something away from it. We wanted to just get started on it. We're at the point in our career where we have very busy schedules. But, you know, you know, I'll lose a little bit of sleep. That's fine. You know, I, I, I want to keep myself busy um, because I think it's important to be busy. Um, and it's important to spend a little bit of time on these things on the side to, to do what we can to further Asian American representation. Um, and just kind of give back. I know she's had mentors as well. I've had several, and going back to that whole mentorship discussion and interplay, we are um, it's kind of our way of of, of doing something
0: when i think about uh asians in law um i think of lawyers i think of you know the people that you mentioned you know former lawyers that go into business but there probably is a lot more that i'm not seeing um and you just touched on um a few things but judges um and people that are again, like what I'm not seeing, what, what are some of, uh, the angles and sort of the worlds that you're going to kind of approach in the legal world as, as it refers to Asians, Asian-Americans?
1: Well, I think that, you know, I think that right now, um, and a lot of Asian Americans may not know this, but there is not nearly enough Asian representation on the bench in the judiciary. Um, one of our um, guests in the podcast, Judge Weems, is the first Asian American in Houston to sit on a civil bench. That's. I and mean, that's shocking. We live in Houston. We have a huge Vietnamese population. Um, It's so large to the point where, and this will probably shock you, but in the parking meters in downtown, (laughs) you're paying for the parking meter. There's three languages that you can get your display options in. English, Spanish, and Vietnamese. Wow. We are in a city with so many Vietnamese people. It's not even just Vietnamese. We, we, are, we have so many Asian minorities of, of all different races, right? From all different countries. You know, how is it that she's the first one on a civil district court bench? We have another Asian American criminal uh, district court here in Houston. And, um, they were voted in at the same time in the same year a few years ago, but it's something that I don't think people truly grasp. I mean, I can name on one hand, and, and you know, part of this may be that you know I, I'm not going to know every Asian American that holds a government office in the U.S. I don't think anyone can name that, but in terms of the U.S. representatives or the senators. You know, in Congress, there's not many. I mean, you you you're going to think of what people running for for office, like Andrew Yang, okay, uh, Congressman Ted Lieu, okay, that's another one. Um, Kamala Harris, you know, that's one. You know, I know over the years, Louisiana has had Asian American representation.
0: Joseph Cow, I think. Yeah, but it's very, very rare. Um yeah. And I think if you look at the backgrounds of most U.S. Uh, politicians, they they have a law background for the most part.
1: Yeah, I think one of the one of the things is that you know we as and this is going to be an overgeneralization, but you know, growing up, and, and I feel like I can say it because I grew up like that. You know, I grew up very timid, shy. You know, you're 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 taught to to respect others, to kind of you know be compliant, if you will. You know, don't break any rules. You know, live a very structured day to day life. And I feel like. You know, we need to be aggressive. We need to to speak out about issues. You know, if you have a platform and there are injustices happening in the world, speak speak out about them, right? Um, You know, run for office, apply to grad school, or apply for that job that you don't think you're going to get, you know? let your voice be heard in the workplace. Don't just go in and out every day and not say anything, have people overlook your existence, right? Whatever field you're in, it doesn't matter. You know, as Asian Americans, you know, we are, you know, we bring so much to the table. And I don't, and certainly, but when I say that, I don't mean that we're better than anyone else. I don't mean that at all. I mean, I think we're, we're all, you know, one people, right? We're all human. But it's important for people to understand that um, you know, we're not just that, you know, the stereotypes are, you know, we're not just put us in the back room and we'll we'll do, you know, um, you know, a good accounting for you, we're good at math, or, you know, we're we're just gonna put our head down and not talk and just do everything that's given and 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 never do more you know or you know not speak out and things like that and and i feel like we have to continue there's so many asian americans pushing the envelope right now and whether that's in law in government um in um the charitable space or kind of in the uh, philanthropy space there are so many people that are doing such great jobs. I mean, I can't even name them all. I mean, you know, just there are people that are making our community proud out there every time they do something and we have the capability to put so many more people on that playing field. And so these small things like, you know, you and I on this podcast, um, you know, Me and Michelle, you know, Michelle and I, you know, later on, it's one of those things where it's just more chances for more voices to get into the mix that hopefully resonates with people and makes them want to to do more, right? And do more doesn't necessarily mean like, again, like it could be whatever field you're in, but the point is, is to do things outside of work. Like, you're not just confined to what you do as a living. You can be involved in your community outside of work. You can take on extra responsibilities outside of work. You can try to effectuate change in your community outside of work. And those are things that I think we've gotten so much better at over the years, but we need to continue in that direction and building that momentum.
0: As I'm Talking with you in the last um, hour, I think that somebody like you, you have a lot of confidence and you come off um, as you're very sure-footed. Um, I don't see you having sort of this um, uh, struggle um, when I think about you in your your professional life. But I can imagine that Asians in law might face some sort of ceilings, some sort of discrimination. Do you feel like for the most part that Asians in law have a fair shot? Asian professionals in law, Vietnamese professionals in law has a fair shot throughout the the country, the U.S., of getting promoted and moving, you know, getting that upward mobility in their careers?
1: Um. You know, in terms of just exposure for the podcast, I think that we have a good shot. Um obviously no one has a crystal ball,
0: can't tell you how it's going to turn out. Um but oh, I you, meant I meant that both uh actual Asians in-law, not not the actual podcast. I think the podcast is going to do great. Um I can I can see where it's going but I, but I actually mean like Asian Americans in-law. Do you think You know, that- I
1: I think more and more people are going in. Um the numbers have Continue to rise over the years, even though they're very small. But I think, just as time passes, I think people will see. People get inspired by people, right? Like, for example, there there's a Supreme, Texas Supreme Court Justice, Eva Guzman, very well respected, someone that a lot of people look up to in the minority community, not only Hispanics, I think she's great. When you have the younger generation thinking there's someone out there moving and shaking things, it's inspirational, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just like right now, I'm sure Andrew Yang is inspiring a lot of people, not only, I mean, you know, he's obviously had a start in the tech space, but also in the political space. Right. And so it's the same thing in terms of if you have, you know, someone become a Supreme Court justice or if someone becomes a attorney general who does some big case or if someone becomes lieutenant governor somewhere. I mean, you have. It's like a cascading effect. The more you have people in those type of positions. People start to see it's actually possible to get into that field, but not only that, for there not to be a ceiling. Because for a young teenager or a young student right now who's surveying the landscape and they see, you know what? There are Asian Americans making partner at Jones Day, you know, at Aiken Gump, at, um, you know, Baker McKenzie, at mid-sized firms at boutique firms starting their own firms and killing it i have friends that have started their own firms and are, are are just doing so many big things you know whether it be you know verdicts and settlements um or just type of cases that they're advocating for people on and again it's if you're a young person, just like when we were we were kids, right? If well, not even when we we're kids, even just years ago, right? Anytime you want to do something, you look at the landscape to see, is it actually possible for me to succeed in this landscape? Right? Yeah. And it's a it's a big deal when you look and you see, oh, you know what? There's another Asian businessman in this space that has done well. There's another Asian podcaster. There's another Asian person in government. There's another Asian, you know, project manager for a construction company. You know, all those things, like the more we permeate the industry, now I'm talking about the legal practice, people will start looking around and seeing you know, it's possible. Now, I guarantee you, and without even knowing numbers, just talking common sense wise, if now if you go to a firm's website, you're going to see more diverse photos than you've ever seen, you know, in the last yeah. five years or 10 years. There, people of color are increasingly being elevated, rightfully so to more leadership positions and more positions where they have a chance to, to do bigger things. And they're paving the way, you know? They're Asian lawyers that came before me. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, you know, just cause I'm paying it forward means that, you know, I have all the knowledge in the world. I don't, but that's the thing is that you don't have to have all that knowledge to try to start paying it forward. You can start paying it for any time in your career. Yeah, and there were lawyers. There are extremely successful Asian American lawyers in Houston that are older than me that are, are paving the way for for all us younger ones. You know, so that's something that um, I've thought about a lot. And again, to whatever I can do, my part to. Build that
0: momentum and keep
1: it going. I'll
0: do, Andrew. I um, hope that in the future I can get both you and Michelle on with me and sit and discuss something that you know will be happening in the future, um, especially as it relates to Asians in Law and your podcast. And maybe next year, the end of this year, we can the three of us can sit and have a conversation about you know the podcast and the legal world um as it pertains to our story um yeah we can definitely do that yeah thank you so much uh for sharing and opening up today um i learned a lot and the insight that you provide is um it's hopeful and i think that we need more representation and more i mean literally more representation by asians um in 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 the law profession
1: Yeah. And Kenneth, you know, thank you for having me and thank you for doing what you do as well. Um, You know, you're, you're out there, you know, you're trying to make a difference and uh, amplify, you know, Asian American voices and really trying to get to the core of, you know, how it affects the Vietnamese community and what we can do to, to, you know, continue to advance our community. And so uh, I respect what you do and I appreciate what you do. And I look forward to our next discussion.
0: Yeah. And I hope hopefully next time we sit down, I can hear your thoughts on Vietnam. I think that's that would be very exciting. Uh, I'll be happy to share that. Wonderful. Uh, Have a wonderful day and uh, we will talk soon. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran and Javier Proenza. Special thanks to Jane Wynn, Catherine Wynn, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trinh. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcasts. Thanks again for listening.